Good morning or early afternoon, ladies and gentlemen, crypto traders around the world. We're back with Basic Cryptonomics, and Basic Cryptonomics is undergoing its massive transformation. I say massive because it's it's pretty monumental. I've I've spent multiple twenty hour days at this point, and it's not just Basic Cryptonomics. It's all three in the network because I'm creating a brand, and then within the brand, I'm creating shows. And within the shows, there are programs, and it's a whole layered approach to position everything that I'm doing for future success. Of course, I'm still waiting on the calls that have not come. Well, some have come, and I didn't like the, the what was said. But I'm still waiting on certain outcomes, and that's kind of throwing a wrench in my plans. But I still have to project that everything will work. They may not work out, and I may crash and burn, but I'm hopeful and optimistic that these will go the way I want them to. And I'm having to adjust certain things. For those that don't know what I'm talking about, because you're a new subscriber to the show or you haven't listened in a while, this, of course, is Crypto Crypto Talk Radio. Now is the name of the show, Crypto Talk Radio. CryptoTalkRadio.net is still the site, but it now is dedicated to Crypto Talk Radio and Basic Cryptonomics is one of the programs on it. So that going forward, you're going to hear me predominantly refer to it as Crypto Talk Radio. You may hear me refer to it as basic cryptonomics for the purposes of what you're listening to right now. They are one and the same. However, in the future, there may be a different program other than basic cryptonomics. And that will be where guests, for example, might be or might be referring to programs specific to NFTs or any other type of derivation that I might want to consider will have its own program. The show will still be Crypto Talk Radio. So that's where I'm positioning my energy right now. And it's consuming a lot of energy. The brands uh, are changing all the way around. Uh, Basic Cryptonomics is pretty much finished. There's one last step that I committed to, and those that are new did not hear this, and I'll repeat it one more time. But the plan was to have a targeted approach for expansion, starting with the migration of Basic Cryptonomics to a new hosting platform. As far as I'm mentally concerned, as far as I convinced myself, that will still go forward before the end of March. However, I'm working on some kinks around subscription because subscription is something I currently have available with the current host. You can basically subscribe on our host Substack, and you get alerts anytime there's a new episode, but I also can do blog posts and it's all one combined thing. What I lose is I can't give you better quality with the audio portion of the recording. I can't give you the control that I need to improve it beyond where it is. That doesn't mean that I'm not satisfied with it. I am. But in order to make it easier to do these recordings, I need to take it to the next level. The new host allows me to do that part perfectly fine. Where it sucks, quite frankly, is it does not have the blog features built into it. And I'd be forced to spin up WordPress. And anybody that's ever used WordPress that's not a nerd coming out of college understands that WordPress is crap compared to its alternatives. So I have some choices and I've kind of settled on a groove that I think will work. But there were some bugs when I tested it. Those are hopefully getting worked out. In fact, I need to check it here in a second to make sure that that part was resolved going forward, that it won't be an issue. That's the subscription piece is you'll be able to subscribe to get the alerts that tell you that there's a new episode ready and waiting for you. And then you can click it and you can go to the episode and listen to the audio. That's my plan. And it looks like that actually did work as I look at it. So that's good to go, and that means that I'll be able to launch this live, and that means I'll also be able to move forward 
in the interim with my move over to the new podcast platform before the end of March. This is good. This is very exciting. I assure you, quality is not going to degrade. It's going to improve with the new hosting platform and everything it allows me to do. The current platform is good. The other platform is just that much better. And then I will position me for future success. So CryptoTalkRadio.net, if you have any friends, family, or otherwise that you think would benefit from our coverage around cryptocurrencies, I would request that you send them the link, CryptoTalkRadio.net. They can sign up on the platform of their choice to hear all of our great coverage that we do, all of the news and all of our opinion pieces that we do. And every now and then we may have a guest on the show. Of course, the challenge is that Many of the tokens simply don't want that smoke, and we want to break that. If you have in cryptos that you're invested in, let them know. They should take the smoke, and they should come on the show and talk to us. Without further ado, let's go ahead and get into our news for the day. This won't take too long. There are a lot of things happening, but much of it's not really going to be affecting, I don't think, the vast majority of those listening, from what I can tell. Top of the list, of course, is the uh, idiot Vitalik. Uh, the Ethereum creator, or at least one of them. He's still in the media, and I think he's starting to get, he already had a big head, right? But I'm talking about in terms of ego. He's he's getting more of a big head. He's notably said, and repeatedly said, he doesn't support dog coins, he thinks it's a waste of time, and it's not within his vision and all this. He fancies himself another variant of Steve Jobs. He's not. And, of course, he's the reason that SHIB had some issues early on. He's the reason that ID Finance has never recovered. He has caused a lot more harm to many of those altcoins. Recently, he came out because of his stance, primarily his stance on altcoins. And he's come out and he said, well, you know, I, I'm actually cool with these, you know, the garbage board ape yacht club NFTs. Now, if you heard me before, I've said I struggle with valuation on NFTs that unless they functionally do something, I have a real big issue with it. There are certain token situations like Epic Hero, for example, where the NFT and the staking of the NFT and the rewards you get and everything else is very well done for what you think it could be. But at the same time, it's you still struggle with what's the real value of this thing? What's the real value of this art? And you can only gauge it off of what you think of the artwork itself. The Bored Apes, you've heard me, I'm very critical on Bored Apes and CryptoPunks because I think they're garbage. I think the artwork's garbage. However, they clearly have an audience. There are people that are buying this. Okay, no problem. I support their right to buy whatever they want to buy and spend their money on whatever they want to spend their money on. I simply think that NFTs should have more of a utility than some of these are positioning them to do. They're positioning them as basically a cool thing that makes it a fad. And I don't want to see a fad. I think that's the wrong answer. If we look at altcoins, then altcoins is the poster child for a fad. If, if we're being honest with ourselves, none of the altcoins, with the exception of SHIB, have been able to stay the course. I'll, I'll, I don't count Dogecoin as an altcoin anymore, to be honest. So SHIB's the only one that's been able to stay the course and still maintain kind of mainstream exposure versus any other one. And then this dude goes and says, you know, I'm not a fan of these dog coins. Don't send me dog coins. I hate dog coins. It's not my vision. Deep, deep, deep. But then recently he says, you know, I don't hate these. Uh, at, at first he was talking about gambling because these monkeys apparently, though I'm not going to research it, but the way that they did it was you're, they're, they're pricing them in a way to bank off of the board ape quote phenomenon by saying these are these high price and they're this high value, like Emperor's New Clothes. 
And he came and he said at one point that, you know, it's kind of like gambling on this. You might lose a lot of money because of value loss. And then he came out later and kind of backtracked ever slightly talking about, you know, I don't, I don't hate him. I mean, you know what it is? I just, I just think NFT should be used for different things. Kanye West sent a message on social media where he was saying, don't contact me about this NFT crap because I'm not in it. I'm about real world problems, hunger and clothes and a thruh. Come at me later, but right now I'm focused on the real world. Vitalik is, I can clearly tell, he's kind of banking off that same statement of, well, no, I want to see that they do some kind of good in the public and something real, some real world utility, but he's not coming out trashing it like he's doing altcoins. That's that's one of the many reasons I don't like this dude because he flip-flops. He flip-flops like the things you wear out on the beach. He's not consistent, and I can't stand him because, again, he already had a big head to start with, but he's getting a bigger head because people are putting him in the front. I saw this shirt he had talking about Ethereum and all this, and it made it, again, he's trying to position, they're trying to position the media. I shouldn't say they. The media is trying to position him as another world Steve Jobs, and he's not. It's not close. Steve Jobs helped create and design products that actually had a tangible positive impact on those that are disabled, on those that were needy, in those in education. It's not close. And I don't want to see the media, just like with Greta Thunberg, they take these people that appeal to liberal minds and they position them like they're these, these God figures. And then they want that hero worship. They call them, quote, influencers, but to the nth degree. I don't want to see that. And so it's not about him, the individual. Uh, he has his opinion. He can do whatever he wants to do. He has credit on creating Ethereum, but I don't see anybody criticizing his flip-flopping, number one. Two, I don't see anybody criticizing the damage Ethereum has done to the ease of transactions and the fact that ultimately Ethereum has priced out the low tier, and now it's basically a rich man's game at the upper level because of gas. And there were points where it went down, but now it's right back up there again. He caused that. And now with ETH2O and all the delays and everything else, it's just getting worse and worse and worse. This has nothing to do with credential and everything to do with how the media is presenting him and the fact that he's running with it. If he were to denounce that and say, no, I almost cussed, screw you. That's not what you're going to do with me. This is how I am. I would respect it more. That's kind of how Elon is. Elon, as head of Tesla, he doesn't go out there and make it seem like he's this God figure that's doing everything. The Japanese and other make him that on social media, but he doesn't take it and run with it. If you've heard him talk, he's actually a very humble person. He has ideas and suggestions. He's very critical of the current administration, rightfully so. He's level-headed, and he's common sense, and he doesn't want to be that hero worship. He just recognizes, ultimately, he has a product that he thinks would be good for society, and that's what he puts out. And then guys like Boyan Slat, who actually do things that are changing the world, and he doesn't get the recognition, but this idiot gets all sorts of coverage all over the place, and it gets, gets nonsense. Anyhow, Cardano, ADA. I've said on earlier episodes, and if you didn't hear those, feel free to go back, but I've said on earlier episodes, Cardano is one of those weird cryptocurrencies because I've believed for a long time, since I got into cryptocurrency, like we're talking, you know, mid-time, May, June of early days. I, I've always believed for no real true logical reason, but just fundamentally looking at it, that Cardano should be higher than it is. It should be more successful than it is. It should be more used than it is. It should have already, in terms of price movement, blown out everything else that was coming close. And what I was told, and I've told this story before, 
what I was told is that the guy leading it is an idiot, and that's the reason it hasn't hit the success that it needed to. I don't know if that's true. All I know is what I see. I saw this dude go from, I believe, like $3 a coin all the way down to like 50 cents with no logic as to why. Because again, I felt it was a strong project. It's easy to transact. It's easy to send. It's very inexpensive. Gas prices are low. And it just seemed like it should be breaking out. And it never really did. And it just went on a steep decline. And nobody could say, well, why, why are people selling this thing? Nobody could say why this happened. Well, it's now coming back up. It's getting very close. Its market cap is getting back up again. It's getting very close back to the dollar mark, which is progress, but it's still not where it should be. And just to put in perspective how fluid this one was, there was a time that I held hundreds of Cardano, and it was because it was easy to mine it. That was the main reason. So I was mining a crap ton of it, and I just stockpiled it and stockpiled it, and then eventually I moved on to other projects. I still have a little bit of Cardano somewhere in a wallet. And as I've looked at Cardano, they've kind of expanded and kind of rethought the process. Now, whether that's because of that leader or not, I can't say. I can say that some of the competitors are slightly down. Uh, this Cardano's up and people are taking notice. People are taking notice of, is there something here? And of course, in a past episode, I did cover the fact that they were trying to finalize enhancements and improvements and upgrades to the network. I think possibly that might be a cause, but it also might be something with the international market. So in thinking this through a little bit deeper, if we look at SHIB, I will pick on SHIB and I'll pick on Doge too, but mostly SHIB. SHIB has a strong presence in terms of popularity in the United States and in the United, in the United Kingdom. I would argue that SHIB doesn't have as much of a value presence in Japan, China, you know, overseas as it might have before it went mainstream. This is what I see. Doge feels like it has international presence but because of the fact that it doesn't, you can transact with it and that's cool. But beyond that, it's not really doing anything above and beyond where it is. Like it, it Doge is what it is. Similar to Tron. Tron is what it is. And I think some of those are out there. Then you take Polygon, Matic, and some of these, they're not really doing much beyond where they are either, but they're able to get some price movement because of games coming on the, on the network and, NFTs kind of spiking up. And so they're able to kind of capitalize on some of this other popularity, but it's like a fad. It doesn't last. It doesn't sustain. Whereas when you look at Cardano, it's always kind of been off to the side as we're here, but we're not pushing it. We're not advertising it. What we started seeing now was we started seeing a lot more push towards Cardano as a actual currency, meaning using it for transactional purposes to conduct business as you see with Doge and as you increasingly see with Shiv and as you see with Bitcoin. Well, that may be the key as to why we're starting to see kind of more, at least interest in Cardano, is if it's now able to get to the point where it's going to be functionally useful as a currency, I think that may increase and spike the interest more than it's been done in the past, meaning that this dollar that's getting to is just a start and it may go on a bull run past the three that it was at. And at that point, there's no way to tell exactly how large, how much it's able to do. And it's an exciting, if true, it's an exciting thing to think about 
because it's been a while since we've had a true competitor that's been able to buck the trend of some of the other coins. It's all the way possible. If this dude, the, the idiot, is still in front of it, and as far as I know he is, it's all the way true and possible that it could all tank and go right down the crapper again simply because of preventable mistakes done by the dev leadership. We don't know that yet. I call it out because, again, as a fan of Cardano as I've been, it feels like if done right and everything that they're trying to work on, you might get to a point where Cardano becomes a viable competitor for the first time in a very long time. And that's huge. I think that's what we should see. We should see more competition. SHIB came in as competition. It failed to do what it was positioned to do, but it came in as competition. Doge came in as competition. It failed, but it came in as competition. So I don't think we should stop with the competition. I think we should get better at the competition because the competition that we try to do simply has sucked and we just need to get better at it. So this is what I like to see happening in crypto space is more competitions coming aboard. I want to see, because I think the competition is what pushes each of them to the next level. And we've struggled over time. Speaking of struggled over time, Shib, Shiny Inu. I just talked about the fact that it tried to compete and interest internationally seems to be at an all-time low. Turns out, overnight, and this happened, I believe, last week, overnight, the SHIB number of holders dropped by 30,000. Now, I want to be clear here. SHIB still had over a million, so it's a fraction of the holders, but it's rare. Remember, SHIB doesn't have reflections, which means if somebody liquidates it, it's gone. That's that's off the books. If it's a token like a Satama or a Terrarium or something that has reflections, those wallets are still getting reflections even during the, because of the timing between when you go into the swap and you try to do the sell and when the sell actually executes. There's still reflections going in. So your hold accounts get skewed. Bleeze talked about that on that episode. Go back and listen to it. SHIB never had any sort of reflections, which means once they liquidate, they're out, they're gone. So it's the fact that within a 24-hour span, they're losing 30,000 holders, although still a fraction of total, it's still a significant number because remember, SHIB has always been that one, if you go back to my SHIB episode, where holders and a community aspect of growth is what got it to this point. So losing that many people means you have less people who believe in it that it will succeed. And there are people still waiting to get enriched. And as I said, it's all about the community. The community is the only reason that guy is not succeeding now because they're not willing to do their own burns. And I broke down in my uh, calculation episode, which is not on the main YouTube or podcast, it's on YouTube, but I broke down the calculation methodology of how self-burns could help the SHIB price move in a positive direction to incite bullish sentiment. And the community has not wanted to do it. This tells me that they're still not wanting to do it. Now, there are still whales buying into SHIB, but here's the funny thing. You, we just had a whale buy like a million dollars worth of SHIB, which is multi-billions of SHIB, and it doesn't make a dent in the price. That's because of the supply. It's too high. It doesn't, it, you can't be saved by the whales. It's not going to work. The burns could help, but there's not enough of the burns happening. You can't, that's not going to work. It doesn't work. And so here's the thing. I don't think long-term 
Shib is going to get anywhere. I don't believe that Shib is going to get to the price that people are, were expecting when they were sold the bill of goods. And this wasn't the fault of any individual. I think the devs sold the community a bill of goods around Shibaswap and Shibarium, by which I'm saying they put, as I said on the Shib coverage episode, they said, nope, everyone will just use Shibaswap. And then Shibaswap, every time you do a swap, it'll just burn. Da, 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 da. And they don't understand, as I've said in wallets versus exchanges, the exchange is where the big dollar people are. That's where they want to be. So unless you're able to tie what you're doing to all the different exchanges, because SHIB is on every exchange. So to me, the logical thing would have been, you got to get some burns better than what you're doing, but they got to do more than what you have got burned. And the only way to really do that somehow would be to tie that to all activities. Don't just count on Shiba Swap. It's failed you. Don't just count a shibarium. It's not live yet. And even what it is, you're using bone, not the shib like you should do. And it seems like, it seems like initially they thought they made so many assumptions that the community would support them and anything that they did, almost like a cult leader, rather than the common sense of we need to do right by the investors. We need to have strong burns in a perfect world. Every single transaction on the exchanges has a burn because if they had done that, by now, we'd have been way lower on the supply. They didn't do that. They don't seem to want to do that. Apparently, there's the burn tool that's not out yet, as far as I can tell, because if it is, it didn't do anything, because the price keeps declining, and now you got 30,000 people who just say, you know what, we're done. We're not waiting any longer, and that's because they're not, they're not wanting to take the time to figure out a way to get the price to move to trigger bullish sentiment. They're still banking on popularity, name popularity and recognition, and it's like a it's like a a precipice point waiting. It's like, okay, we got this here. Da, 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 da. So I don't know. I'm not sure where they go from here, Shib. I, I'm not sure. It is entirely possible, and I'll say it again, that Shib at some point is able to do enough burn that it gets the price moving and it goes on another bull run. But with the certain with the supply that's still out there, I don't see it happening anytime in the next three years. I could be way off, but that's what I see based on the numbers and the price movement. I'm not seeing any confidence from the community, the crypto community in SHIB, especially when you have so many other tokens coming out that are doing so much more than SHIB has ever been able to do in the same period of time. The last bit of external news I will cover is around Bitcoin. Of course, Bitcoin is still a thing and Bitcoin is still assumed to be bullish. That means that there, it's positioned to be on, going on a run here soon. And we don't know if and when to, so it's all speculation from all areas. It's been kind of trending slightly upward, but it's had a little bit of pressure. However, there's been a lot of movements on the exchanges that tells us that it should go on another run and then we'll have to see where it goes. My guess is, unfortunately, the president went on the air recently talking about a, quote, new world order. And because of his nonsense and rants, it almost feels like he's purposely trying to keep crypto bearish because he, the moment that Bitcoin breaks out every single time, he's up there on the air saying a bunch of stuff to freak investors out, which again, in the stock market would not be allowed. But because crypto isn't regulated to that degree, he goes up there and he does it and it's timed every single time when there's a Bitcoin bull run about to form. I find that very interesting. And you can tinfoil me all you care to, but I find the timing very interesting. So if 
Bitcoin is able to basically defeat the president and stop his nonsense of clear manipulation of price, it should go on a bull run. We don't know how long it would last, but it would. it's estimated to get to around the 50,000 mark, which, of course, is still not back to where it was. No. But as long as we got the, that person in the office and as long as we got the administration in office, we're not going to get anywhere close to where we were. We have to get people in the office that want crypto to succeed. And right now we don't have that. We have a lot of people in there that are causing sketchy sentiment and it's causing people to basically dump because they're nervous and they're hesitant. And then the stuff with Gate.io and the uncertainty of other exchanges shutting down, I believe that's all playing a factor in my opinion as to why people are not aggressively going after crypto as they might have done at some point before. Who knows where it's going to lead? Hopefully it all recovers and hopefully it all gets stronger and hopefully it all gets back on deck. But as it stands, I'm not optimistic, personally. I'm not optimistic. I hope that they do get their act together and do something smart. But who knows? The formation is there. The formation is there for a strong Bitcoin breakout. It just, every time there's external people in the office and in the White House and others that make statements the moment that happens that seem like they're purposely trying to keep it down. And I suspect that's because they want people not to get wealthy or rich. That's what it feels like to me. All right, so now, enough of news. I want to cover a couple points. These are not news. These are just observations at this point. There's a couple of tokens that are out there now, and they're either pre-sale or they're launched. And I'm seeing an excessive amount of, I don't want to say shilling, because it's not like they're, they're shilling, but they're not. It's I believe that these people believe that they're strong projects and I'm not going to sit and say if they are or are not strong projects on their own. That's not the intent of this message, this public service announcement. It is to simply kind of put at least a concern out there for you to think about. I've seen so far tons of messages about terrarium and I understand. I understand that, frustrated Satama, ex-Satama Wolfpack people have been heavily pushing this terrarium as the next big thing because it has very similar tokenomics and allegedly has a better team and allegedly is going to get to this point and allegedly is going to have the success and a number of whales allegedly went over there. I got it. At the same time, I looked at terrarium before and I have not done a dedicated episode to cover it yet because I'm still waiting but I've done bits and bulbs, as they say, and I don't see anything fundamentally wrong. However, the level of coverage I'm seeing from allegedly uninterested third parties um, is disturbing because it's getting close to shill. It's not quite shill, but it's getting close to. And there are certain people that are adding fundamental data around it, and that's good, but there's a lot more people who are just putting it out there and saying, do it, do it, do it. And then all of a sudden, I see that some of those same people spin around and they're talking about this CoinView cap, which I'll say CoinView crap. I'm not criticizing the token. I'm just going to call it that because if you're heavily pushing it at pre-sale, that's a concern to me. It might be a good team. It might be a good token. All that's good. I'm saying the level of external coverage is concerning, bouncing back and forth between these two, primarily those two, Terrarium, CoinView cap. I'm hearing too much about those two. That makes me a little bit concerned because now we're getting into Dell crypto levels of push where we're just shoving people to different projects. 
if you looked at Paratoken when it first started, it had a very similar amount of coverage to it from third parties, including crypto. And then that one eventually went to crap because the team doesn't know what they're doing. And that's my concern is you might have in CoinView cap, a very solid, robust project. I have not looked at it. It could be terrarium. I looked at it. It decently looks good. My concern isn't whether it looks good or not. It's will the thing crap because of undue pressure put on them because of all this hype, because it's not yet at the level of shill, but hype from these areas where they, it's not sustainable hype. It's, it's you're, you're putting too much on them where they're not going to be able to keep up. And then they tank like paratoken. That's what I don't want to see. That's not to say that we don't talk about the projects. We should talk about the projects that look good, but come on, there's a certain level of unrealistic coverage. When you say, all right, this CoinView cap, it just went on presale. You better get in right now. And then, and then it goes to the presale. It's doing its thing. And then, and you're like, all right, uh, 500 ETH to go until it's sold out. And then 80 ETH to go until it's sold out. Okay. At some point you're getting too aggressive. Okay. If it's them, like CoinView Cap themselves, cool. I would expect them to kind of push their project. When I see a third party doing it, now you got me worried because now you, and I'm not going to call them by name, but you are about to turn into the next Dell Crypto. And if that's if you're cool with that, that's fine. Then you're going to be at some point pulled into an AMA where some dude is going to be like, you canceled, bro because your coin view cap crapped out and it wasn't really a rug pull. It just crapped because it wasn't any good or the team wasn't that good. I'm not saying it is or isn't. I'm saying I believe there's unrealistic levels of push on some of these projects that needs to calm down. If you do want to do some of that coverage and you are legitimately serious about the project, I think what you do is you go on your YouTube because you do have a YouTube channel now because you announced to the world that you created one and on your YouTube channel, you do your fundamentals like you should be doing to say, I looked at the project. Here's what I see. Here's the white paper or an AMA with the devs. Because on the flip side, that's exactly what Bleeves did. Bleeves had actual devs on the show doing it, talking through and asking questions. And that's what you should do. That's what we should see is we should get the tokens to want to smoke and come on the show and talk about their project. Not you you know, pulling a Dell crypto, just screaming at everybody to go and do it. Cause it's almost sold out. Do, do, do. Because when you do that, you lose credibility. And when you lose credibility, it's a lot harder to get it back. I'm sure that some projects will still come after you and maybe they paid you, which would make you a shill. I certainly hope not because you never struck me as a shill, but maybe they paid you to shill it. Maybe that's why you're doing it. It's not about the why. I'm saying perception is a very important thing. And when you come out and you're doing that, I don't think you're doing anybody a service because as we learned with Forever Financial Freedom, some of these projects, sometimes these hoes just ain't loyal. Even if they're not malicious, sometimes they just don't know what they're doing. Sometimes the hype is too much and they can't keep up. Sometimes their launch gets almost cussed, screwed up like Lily Finance. There's too many things that happen. And I think you're creating risk and you're using a platform where people have kind of built trust in you. And I think you're misusing that trust by doing what you're doing instead of doing what I think you should do, which is use your YouTube to do the analysis on a fundamental basis without taking a side. And you give the pros and the cons and you don't just push everybody 
to risk their money on a pre-sale that might end up in a rug pull. We don't know. You don't know. That's my opinion on it. I won't change my opinion. I feel how I feel. It is what it is. This person's not going to listen to me because they, they listened to me before, but they're not going to listen to me because they're doing their own thing. If they do listen to me, I applaud it. Great. I will celebrate because I do think it's a disservice what I'm seeing because it's starting to get unrealistic. As far as terrarium, terrarium is an un, is a totally different level of unrealistic hype. To the level I've never seen it. Yes, I understand there's whales in the damn thing. I got it. And yes, I understand a lot of Satama whales went to the damn thing. I got it. But please, can we uh, get back to true pro and con analysis, fundamental analysis about why we should do these things? As far as I can tell, Terrarium ain't got nothing that's that's strong utility yet. They've talked about doing it. They plan to do it. It's on roadmap to do it. I don't see that it's done yet. If I were to look at Terrarium today, and I'm looking at Everrise. It's not close. Everrise looks to me like a business. Terrarium looks to me like a proof of concept. That's okay to invest in a proof of concept as long as that's how it's positioned. And as long as the hype is not presenting it like it's this major business when they haven't done anything yet from my eyes. It's possible that they are successful. It's possible that they break that glass ceiling. It's possible they go to the moon. It's possible they pull it out. But we're talking possibilities. Everrise has already done it. And I'm just picking on them because they're the closest example of what I would want to see from an organization that would get this level of hype. Like Everrise should be getting the hype that these two are getting, and it's not. And I can't see a reason why not, because from what I see on the fundamental side, it's not close. That tells me that the hypes are coming not based on fundamentals in some of these cases. They're coming just because certain people know they can get rich quick pumps and dumps and none of the tokens should be treated like pumps and dumps but that's what we're doing when we do crap like i'm seeing with CoinView cap that's all i gotta say on that one now let's get to our underdog token so we can wrap this up real quick and i can get back to more uh painful neck situations for this underdog token and i'm gonna call it an underdog because it is very probable and i want to stress this it is very probable this guy is the best design scam in crypto history. I can't discount the possibility this is the case. So this is not an endorsement or me advocating for you to invest in this cryptocurrency. I do suggest you look at it and make your own decision. However, I'm being very clear. It can only be one of two things. Either it's the best built scam in possible history for cryptocurrency, or it is totally legit and it just happens to be that the way that they did it was sketchy and scammy, but they really had the best of intentions. I can't tell you. All I know is the way that some of these work and what I'm seeing screams out loud scam. It might not be scam. It might be straight on the up and up. It might be nothing but legit. It might be clean as a whistle. I, I'm not saying it's not, and I'm not trashing them. If they want to come on the show and they want the smoke, I would love to talk to these guys. I would love to talk to these guys because as I see it, if, the, if it's truly a legitimate project, I think it's compelling. But I can't say that it is or isn't, and because I can't say for confidence that it is or isn't, it makes me a little bit nervous. That doesn't mean that it's not, and that's why I would love to uh, open invitation, and I will add them on social media. Open invitation. 
to have the conversation. Let's talk it out. I would love to help you. If you truly are legitimate, I would love to help you give you an additional platform above and beyond what you got because it's a compelling thing of what I see. It's just, I'm not sure what I'm looking at. This token is called made a DM site is made a DM.org. If you look at this token, first of all, some background Facebook at some point, And he, that guy's an idiot, Zuckerberg. They announced that they were going to change Facebook to Meta. And it's going to be an overtime process. It's going to take some time. They're not really there yet. They don't know what it means. They don't know what it's going to look like. As part of this, they had toyed with the idea of creating a cryptocurrency. Uh, Actually, it's actually going to be a stable coin, I believe. And then they backed off of it because they couldn't make the regs work in their favor to, you know, keep it clean. And so Meta is still kind of out here. When Zuckerberg gave that announcement, you instantly saw all these different companies jump on the bandwagon about the so-called Metaverse. There's past episodes where I've talked about the fact that Metaverse is not a new thing. You're hearing about it more now just because that idiot talked about it. But Metaverse has been a thing for the longest period of time, all the way back to and including Second Life, which is a game that was that's old. It's old, but it was the first example of what Metaverse could be. And I'll repeat some of the stuff I said during that episode. Second Life, when that thing launched, people felt it was a fad. Nobody really bought into it. And then over time, people started to get a little bit more interested because of the control and the flexibility and the, the fact that you could basically create your own world. And you, there are maps. You can literally create your own maps from connected to other people's worlds and you build your home and you can do all this stuff, but all these brands started buying into it too. So inside of there, you had clothing stores and food stores and shopping and all this, that you could purchase all these things that if you were to look back in time, were kind of the earliest phases of what we now take for granted as an NFT because they were a digital representation, just a bunch of numbers and digits of a tangible something. It could be artwork. It could be a vase. It could be something. And then you could decorate your home or you could work like you actually could work a job there. I'm telling you right now that what you know, what they're talking about now with, Oh, metaverse. It's not new. It's not, it's been tried. And now here's where the climax of the story comes in. Metaverse has failed every single time it's been tried. Why? Because while it sounds good to kind of distract people temporarily in a virtual world, anybody who's a gamer might remember, or an anime fan, might remember there was a series called Dot Hack. And Dot Hack, that was what it is, is there's a game, the, the world, CyberConnect was the developer, and the world. And you would put on these glasses. And if this is sounding familiar with all the Facebook and the Oculus and all that, that's what it was talking about. You put this on and you have a virtual avatar in this digital world and you're going out and you're fighting bad guys and all this. That's, that's the description of Metaverse. I challenge anybody to present a single evidence of that happening in the real world where you have that kind of true-to-life, real feeling of a thing other than what we have. If you look at mixed reality, mixed reality, Microsoft predominantly, is you put on the glasses and you're seeing a virtual world and you can navigate the virtual world and you can somewhat touch the virtual world, but there's no tactile sensation. There's no smell. There's hearing, yes, but you're hearing digitally, artificially created things. Yes, I understand what Morpheus said. Electrical signals interpreted by your brain, I got it. But 
anybody that's been in mixed reality knows it wears off. You, you get weaned off of it. It doesn't last. It's, it's kind of fun for the moment, and then it wears off. Augmented reality. So now think Pokemon Go. You're taking digital representations of something, and you're overlaying it on the real world. At that point in time, when Pokemon Go first launched, you had tons of people walking around looking like zombies, chasing fictitious creatures all over the streets, people leaving work to do this. It was a big thing. Now what? You don't see that hardly anymore. You might see it overseas, as in not in the United States. You don't see it nearly. When that launched, the United States was all over that garbage. It wore off because it was a fad. That's the problem with Metaverse. It sounds good, but until you can get us to a world like you saw in Star Trek The Next Generation with an actual holodeck where you're actually put there and you don't have to wear glasses and you can navigate it and there's actual tactile and there's smell and senses are being employed, until you can get to that, you don't have a Metaverse. We know this. Common sense tells us this because we're not at that level of advancement now, if we accept what I just said is true, that we're not at that level yet, think of how long it took us to get to this point. Second life is over a decade old, and it took us this long, and we haven't made significant advancements towards anything close to a holodeck. Not anywhere close. They've tried, but we're nowhere close. Then you got to think about, do we really focus on that versus real-world problems, Right. And so metaverse has become a buzzword, but it's also kind of become a byline, a pitch, right? That, that a lot of companies are jumping on. MetaDM took that concept and they built, at least from what I see, what I believe is the only evolution that they could do around, quote, metaverse that allows for competition in a space that's really evolved and mature that being social media. Now, the reason I gave you that preface and I took so long to give you that preface is, is important because in order to understand what they're talking about here, you've got to set aside the snake oil that they sold you on Metaverse it, because it's never going to be a thing. We can do digital avatars all we care to. We can do NFTs all we care to. We can do things like Minecraft and make a creation, create a character. and da, 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 da. We can do all that we care to. We shouldn't be calling that Metaverse because it's not truly Metaverse. It's just games. It's just games or art or whatever. But if we rethink what Metaverse could be, now MetaDM becomes a lot more compelling. If you look at their site, I again encourage you to take a look at it. MetaDM.org. I'm going to summarize. And again, if they're listening, I would love to have you on the show because if I butchered anything, I want you to correct it direct to the, to the investors. What it looks like they're trying to do is they're trying to create an alternative to social media that uses, in this case, mixed reality technology. So how you would think about this, if you think about, if you're on Twitter and you think about Twitter spaces, today, Twitter spaces is nothing more than a chat room that happens to have voice to it. And that's fine, right? You can see the little avatars of people and that's all good and no problem. But what they were trying to do here in concept, so none of this exists yet, but in concept is to be able to take that, that room space concept of people coming together in a social media forum and be a digital representation, but you're now in a room together and you're hearing and you're talking and you're interacting. 
Does that have any intrinsic value to the business side? Maybe, maybe not. Does it have intrinsic value to the consumer side? I would say yes, to some degree. And I'll get to that in a second. They have a white paper and you're going to hear me celebrate because their white paper, not only is it a PDF, it's from a structure perspective, not an information, but a structure perspective. Arguably one of the best white papers I've seen, Hercules, Hercules. A lot of time was spent on the white paper to accomplish one thing. They, t- they, first of all, they do the rubric very well. They don't do it exactly like I like it, but they do it very well in telling them, look, this is why we're here. This is what it's supposed to do. Here's kind of imagery of what we're thinking about. So you can kind of get a sense of what's the concept behind this. This is where a lot of them struggle. When they talk about, I'm going to build an exchange and they can't show you any images about what that means. Here, they're actually showing you images of here's what we're thinking. Of course, all of these are subject to change, but at least they show you something. Then they talk about rewards. So beyond the actual utility, there's actually a rewards mechanic, multi-level rewards mechanic. They're not unrealistic rewards. They're not going to try to change the world, you know, like some of the ones that have six-figure APYs. But the fact that you can stake it and earn rewards is goes to the passive income. And that's the current positive thing to do is use positive income. So at nothing, at, if nothing else, you can use it as an additional avenue for passive income. Now you can rethink your investment strategy. Potentially you can say, I'll invest in these eight projects that all generate passive income for me. And rather than worry about their price or buying and selling them, they're just generating passive income for me. The, the downside of passive income by itself is it still relies on volume. Relying on volume takes popularity. It takes constant popularity, and it's the hardest thing for a token to sustain is how do I make sure that there's constant activity happening? When you have a staking mechanism, you're decreasing the activity. But if you combine that with their, their tool that they've got for social media, now you kind of put it in big picture, right? You've got, as people use this platform, for their social media, their chats, their voices, uh, following, all the activities. If you think about the billions and billions of transactions that happen on Twitter all the time, or even garbage Facebook or Instagram, if you could tokenize that traffic, if you could turn that into something that keeps the volume going for your token activity, now it solves the problem when you go to stake your actual coins of making sure that you're constantly getting passive rewards. So the fact that they combined the two appealed to me very strongly. I had one down point, one thing I didn't really care for. I understand why they did it. I didn't really care for it because I think that it creates the rat race. They have a very, it's got arguably the lowest, I think, supply in all of cryptocurrency. I can't think of any of the crypto as the lowest supply of this one. 33,000 tokens. 33,000 tokens. I, I can't. I understand, again, I understand why they thought that that was a good idea, but 33,000 tokens of, I don't know, maybe, obviously price movements are going to be very strong because it's heavily constrained. But I think when you talk about something like this, where it's going to be doing social media transactions, empowering that, and staking and all the other stuff, I I'm not sure this one's going to be super sustainable in the big picture, but because it's a constrained inventory, it should go to the moon. Do, do, do. Obviously, it literally just launched. 
So based on the graph that I see, it is in concert with what I would have expected with this kind of supply. I'm saying that I'm not sure that I'm sold on this low of a supply. It's not that you shouldn't have a constrained supply, but I also think you got to be realistic with that constraint. Like, I don't think it should be so dramatically low as to spike it to, because what happens is if it's so low like this, then you get to a point where now it's not sustainable for people to buy into it. They're just going to see a high price and then they're going to go another way. They're going to go to another token that's cheaper, which is usually one of these dog coins. And I wouldn't want to see that either. So I just, I personally am not a fan of the supply. That's the only thing that I saw that was a little bit concerning. They might be able to pull it off, but with this kind of a price and with this kind of a supply, to me, it feels like you're almost, you're almost forcing yourself into a corner that your social media platform and tool has to succeed because if it doesn't, or you don't launch on time or whatever, I think you're going to get such volatility. It's going to be a turnoff for anybody who's a chart watcher because they're going to see such volatility and they're going to just overreact and go another way instead of buying into the project. And I wouldn't want to see that because again, if it is legit and it is serious and they're going to do this thing and they actually have some prototypes and things ready to go and it's not going to be a, a crap out, then I do think it's a good thing for society to have this kind of an alternative tool for consumers. So made a DM. If you're intrigued by something different, it's, it's a different tool. It's a, it's a different utility. It's a different kind of thing. And the things that they're talking about scream again, that we're trying to solve a problem, whatever that problem is defined as by them. So that's number one. But at the same time, the reason that I gave you the preface up front about Metaverse, calling themselves Meta DM, I understand why they did. I don't agree with that either because it's too close to Facebook and Zuckerberg and Meta. And I think they should have chosen a different name, something that was a little bit uh, less associated with Meta as the name. You can have the byline say the Metaverse IM Network. That's cool. I think they should have picked a different name that stood out in a crowd. I, I think this stands out as a tool. I'm concerned about that name, and then I'm concerned about the inventory. Everything else is compelling and very intriguing to me and something I think is worth keeping an eye on, if nothing else. The price is going to be jumping like crazy. So if it is something that you do want to get into, then you may want to take a look at it sooner rather than later. And unfortunately, my podcast is going to publish a little bit late. This snippet is going to go to YouTube because I want people, as many people to hear this, because I want you to look at it. I want you to look at it. Don't just take my word for it. Don't take my word for it. Don't just trust me blindly. You should hold it and look at it and take your own look and make your own decision. And again, it is entirely possible this is the best, most elaborate scam you can think of. That is entirely possible and plausible. Here's why I don't think it is, and I'll wrap this up. On their site... They have the team and the roadmap. And if you look at the team, these are people that have LinkedIn pages. And with the LinkedIn pages, these are pretty well-known people. These are not, not celebrity likes, but they're well-known people in the space, I should say. But you've got LinkedIn people. You've got strong people behind the team, and they're, they're open about who they are and who they represent and what they do. They're not hiding behind things. And they don't screen car salesmen like with Seifu. This, this, to me, seems like a serious team. 
So I'm not concerned that the team would be scammers. That doesn't feel like it at all. If anything, this would be something where they would just not make it work and it would fail and then they would just abandon it would be the biggest risk. I'm not saying that that's what would happen. I'm saying that would be the only risk. I don't see scammer here. However, I need to caveat, metadm.org. It might be the best built scam ever in crypto if I'm reading it wrong. But when I look at it, I don't see scam. I see that they're a good team. I also see that it may be overly ambitious, but I see if they can pull it off, this could be a game changer. Take a look at it yourself, metadm.org. Let me know what you think on it. Uh, but I personally think it's something worth to take a look at. I wish they that inventory wasn't so low, though. That's all I got for you here today on Basic Cryptonomics. I have to get back to more of the work that I'm doing with the subscription, wrap that up, and then start the move over to the new uh, platform. If I am able to finalize the subscription, the move will have completed prior to uh, let's see. Yeah. So next week we got the 29th and the 31st for episodes for basic cryptonomics. It should still, I'm pretty sure it should still be on the same platform uh, by the 31st. So that means that the first episode that you'll hear on the new host will be on the 5th of April, which is that Tuesday. If everything goes correctly, that's my plan. Cause I want to make sure it's clean. I don't want to have partial cutoffs cause there were a couple of issues with duplication on uh, Gentleman's World when we moved it. So I've, I've figured out what the cause that. And so when I move basic cryptonomics, there's a couple of things that I've learned in order to do the migration, get it over. And then I got to do some true ups, uh, some post process and other things for some episodes that weren't compatible. So it'll be a bit of a challenge. And I'll be working on that, that weekend, starting the first ready to go on the fifth. I look forward to getting on the new platform and getting it all wrapped up finally because it is kind of a lot of work. In any event, please do share the word, CryptoTalkRadio.net. We appreciate any time you can share. For anybody else to sign up, the more subscribers, the better we can give you the coverage and keep this thing consistent and great. For now, take care, and I will check in with you guys on Thursday. <laughs>